Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. Today we're going to look at God's promise to mothers. Obviously, this is Mother's Day. And as I look in the scriptures, I see there is one verse that is promised only to mothers. This promise does not go to men. It does not go to fathers. It does not go to all women. It is a promise that God has placed in his word only for those of you who are mothers. And it is a glorious promise. It is so glorious because it deals with the most important thing in life, which is your salvation. God's promise is found over in 1 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Now, I am using the... English Standard Version this morning because it does the best job of representing this verse. Now, I don't know why it's being displayed that way on the screen, but nevertheless, I will walk you through it. Stand together as you look in your Bible. It says, Yet she shall be saved through childbearing if she continues in faith, love, holiness, with self-restraint. You may be seated. Here we have God's promise to mothers. First, the promise. It says, Yet she shall be saved through Child bearing. Go to the next slide, Liz. All right, now what does this not mean? Well, first of all, it does not mean that Christian women will be physically saved when bearing children. In other words, that no Christian woman will ever die while giving birth. That's contrary to our experience, and that's contrary to the clear teaching of this verse. So when he says that she shall be saved through childbearing. He's not talking about her physical life being saved. Secondly, this verse does not refer to the Virgin Mary and the birth of the Lord Jesus as Roman Catholicism would have us to believe. Thirdly, this verse also does not mean that a woman shall receive spiritual salvation through childbearing. Now this brings up an important principle of biblical understanding and interpretation. It's called the analogy of Scripture. And that simply means that you must interpret Scripture by Scripture. Verses that may be less clear needs to be interpreted by verses that are more clear. Now just reading this verse by itself, yet she shall be saved through childbearing, 
You might could come up with this concept. Well, it's talking about spiritual salvation. But when you look at the rest of Scripture, you see that that's totally contrary to the teaching of Scripture that faith comes, excuse me, that salvation comes through faith, not through works. That if a woman were saved through giving birth, that would be a work. And that would be totally contrary to the teaching of Scripture that no one is saved as a result of doing any good work. Also, if that were the case, it would mean that every woman anywhere in the world who has had a child would be going to heaven. And again, we know that that is contrary to the teaching of Scripture. Well, that brings us to the question, well, what does it mean then? Well, there are two keys to understanding the meaning of this promise. First key is understanding what the word saved means. What does the word saved mean? New American Standard translates it preserved. But the word saved, sozo, is used in many different ways in Scripture. It is used of Someone being healed in the New Testament, particularly in the uh, accounts of the life of Jesus, when someone was healed, it would use this word, sozo. And some have translated it. Jesus says, your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. Sometimes this word salvation is used of being saved from a shipwreck, being rescued from the danger of a shipwreck. Other places in the New Testament, it's used of being saved from false teachings. And it is used of being spiritually saved. But there is another meaning that I think unlocks what our text is saying today. And that is the meaning of spiritual maturity. The meaning of growing into spiritual maturity. Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 2, where he says, Work out your salvation, same word, sozo, with fear and trembling. Now notice Paul doesn't say work for your salvation with fear and trembling, because again, that would be totally contrary to the teaching of Scripture, because we cannot work for salvation. But he says work out your salvation. He's talking about growing in the spiritual maturity. Someone has said we must work out what God has worked in when He saved us. You see, salvation is much more than just being saved from hell. In fact, the Bible speaks of salvation in three tenses. Past tense, you're saved. And that means saved from hell. The moment you become born again, you experience eternal life, you're saved from hell from that moment. But the Bible also talks about being saved. And here it's talking about growing into the fullness of your salvation. And the Bible talks about we will be saved. And here it's talking about our future glorification when our bodies are resurrected from the grave, perfect after the very glory of Jesus. But here Paul, I believe, is talking about this progressive spiritual growth into Christ-likeness. Salvation is more than being saved from hell. Salvation is also being saved from the power of sin 
in your life. Salvation is also being saved to a new life in Christ. Salvation is being saved to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. There are many aspects of salvation, and Paul, I believe, is talking about those present aspects where we grow into Christ-likeness. All right, understanding that, then let's see what Paul is saying here. He says, but she shall be saved, that is, work out her salvation, grow into spiritual maturity, grow into Christ-likeness, and reach her full potential through childbearing. God's talking about your Christ-likeness in this promise. Now we come to the second key that unlocks the truth. Childbearing. What is meant by childbearing? Now Paul means more than just simply giving birth. Although definitely that is a part of the process. That's where it all begins. John Calvin, writing on this passage in his commentary, speaks and says that, This word childbearing speaks of the totality of what it means to be a mother. In fact, he says it this way. He said, the word does not speak of mainly having children, but about enduring all the distresses which are manifold and severe, both in the birth and the rearing of children. Ladies, you hear that? Charles John Calvin, one of the greatest theologians of the world, recognizes that motherhood involves stresses both manifold and severe. In one other place, he talks about all the annoyances that come with child rearing. And so when Paul is speaking of bearing children, he's speaking of not only the birth, but he's speaking of everything involved in raising those children and bringing them up. I think he's talking about the dirty dishes. I think he's talking about the dirty diapers. I think he's talking about the runny noses. I think he's talking about getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning and and the kids crying. He's talking about all of those things that are involved in raising children and being a homemaker and managing the household. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 14, bears this truth out as well. 1 Timothy 5, look at what he says in verse 14. He's talking about widows and and who should be put on the widows list in the churches. And he says, therefore, I want younger widows to get married, bear children, keep house, and give the enemy no occasion for reproach. Now here Paul is covering the total experience of the Christian woman who is married, who has children, and has to raise those children, and also manage the household. And so Paul is using the concept again of bearing children, not just having a baby, not just the birth, but the whole nine yards of having that baby, which just starts the process until that child is up and out of the house. Now let's look again at what God is promising. God's promise is the Christian mother 
that he will primarily use the arena of motherhood to bring her into Christ-likeness. Now, look at this again, ladies. God's promise to you as a mother is, I will primarily use the arena of motherhood to bring you into Christ-likeness. God is saying that the rigors of raising children, of keeping the house, of fixing meals, of being a submissive wife, this is my refiner's fire to bring you into the image of Christ. That's why motherhood is such a glorious and, and holy calling. Because God says, this is where I will bring you into the likeness of my son. In this arena, this is where you will grow into your full potential, both spiritually and emotionally and mentally. It is here amidst the frustrations and the trials and the heartaches and the dirty diapers that I will conform you to the image of my son. Man, can you believe it? Only God would have chosen motherhood for that, wouldn't he? Amen. Now look, it says in verse 15, it says, Yet she, or but she. Now he's been talking in verse 12 that God's design for women is not for them to teach men or exercise authority over men. That's not his arena for them to grow into spiritual maturity. But, he says, she shall be saved, she shall grow into Christ's likeness, she shall reach her full spiritual potential in childbearing, in everything that's involved in raising children. That's God's design and promise for you mothers. But it's a conditional promise. If, if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Now let's look at the conditions now, ladies. If spiritual growth is going to occur in your arena of motherhood and all that's involved in being a wife and a mother and the, what you would call mundane things of cleaning the house and cleaning the bathroom and, and washing the clothes and making the beds and I can go on and on. If spiritual growth is going to occur in that arena, then there are three things that got to be present in your life. First, faith. Now when he says, if they continue, the Greek construction is Paul in, anticipates and expects these women to continue in these qualities. First, faith. What is faith? Faith is a conviction of things not seen. Faith is taking God's word for it, not man's word. Faith is believing what God says over what these eyes may tell you. Now, let me tell you where faith comes in in motherhood. It's the faith that indeed motherhood is God's design for you to grow into spiritual maturity. Someday you look around and you see 
clothes that need to be washed. You see dishes that need to be put away and washed. You see floors that need to be swept. You see bathrooms that need to be cleaned. You see beds that need to be made. You see toys that need to be picked up. And it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. And you look around in your frustration and your weariness and you say, reach my full potential. Yes, it takes faith. Yes, God says that is exactly the place that I've chosen to bring you into the depths of being like my son Jesus. That takes faith, ladies. Deep faith. Faith that motherhood is the most important career that a woman can have. Because there's nothing more important than being shaped into the image of Christ. And that's where God has chosen to shape you into the image of Christ. That takes faith. You see these other people going off to work dressed up. You see them going out to eat. You look at yourself surrounded by runny-nosed toddlers. You turn on the TV and you see this glamorous movie star. The kids have been fussing and fighting. You seem like you've just been getting on to them all day long and you think, what am I accomplishing here? By faith. Believe God's Word. That God is using this arena to mold you into the image of Jesus. Faith. There are a million ladies that can take your place at work. But there is not one single woman in the 7 billion people on this earth that can replace and give those children, your children, the mother's love that only you can give. And let me tell you guys, sons, your mama will do stuff for you that no other woman in the world will do. Your wife will not do things for you. Your mama will do for you. Nobody, nobody going to love you like your mama loves you. Believe it. And I tell my daughters, no man's going to love you like I love you either. No man's going to love you and expect so little out of you. All you got to do is give me a kiss on the cheek every now and then and hug me. That's all. Your husband's going to want you to wash his clothes. He's going to want you to fix his food. Your kids are not going to be happy unless you're helping them and doing things for them. No man's going to love you like a daddy. No woman's going to love you like your mama. Because that's God's arena. And that brings us to the second. If they continue in faith and love. Now what is love? Love is self-sacrifice. Love is self-giving. Now, I know of no other place, not under God's green earth, can a person experience so much self-sacrifice, so much self-giving as motherhood. Now, men, as fathers, we do have to give. We do have to sacrifice. But guys, it is nothing compared to what those moms have to do. You don't believe me? I'm going to challenge you to do something. I did one time. You take over the mother's responsibility for no less than two days. When our younger three were all in diapers, Terry's dad was in the last stages of cancer. And so she went to spend a few days with her mom. And so all the duties of motherhood fell upon my shoulders. 
fixing the meals. Now, she didn't just stick stuff in the refrigerator while I pulled it out. Now, so, guys, that doesn't count. You've got to fix the meals. Maybe even have to go shopping for the meals. You've got to change the diapers. You've got to give them a bath. You've got to get them ready for bed. You've got to get them down for a nap and get them up for the nap. You've got to be wiping their noses. You've got to be doing, cleaning the rooms and making up the beds. And I mean doing it all. And doing it all not just for a couple of hours, not just for one day, but at least two days. And I guarantee you, you will have a new appreciation for your wife. I'll be honest, I couldn't do it. I would go nuts. I could not. I know it. God didn't make me. He just didn't equip us for something. I don't know, but it, it, it would drive me stark, crazy, mad. But mothers have to sacrifice and give and give. Guys, think about this. You get a vacation from your job, but your wife doesn't get a vacation from being a mother. She just changes locations where she has to do it. You go down to Florida, she's still got to fix meals. She's still got to change diapers. She's still got to wash clothes. She's still got to pick up after the kids. She doesn't get a vacation. 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, three meals, day in, day out. She never gets a break. Finally, finally, after about 35 years of married life, it dawned on me this was the case. I'm kind of thick up here. So one day on vacation, I would say, kids, your mother's off duty today. Do not go and say one thing to her today. Anything you need, you come straight to me. You let her off. She's not going to be responsible for anything today. This is her vacation day. You get that day? And I thought I was doing pretty good. <laughs> Men love. They have to give and give and give. Mothers, it takes love. And you know it. And that love only God can supply. I mean, I know there's a great amount of it in you anyway, but you know you've got to have God's love to really carry out this mothering experience as God would have you to do. You know, you come to the end of your rope, You've got two or three that are sick at home. It's been raining all day, so they've all been inside. And then somebody breaks a dish. They're screaming. They're fighting. You say, Lord, i got to have grace. i got to have love here. I'm about to lose it. If they continue in faith and love, and then it says holiness with self-control. And this word holiness means, particularly it's used in the sense of maintaining moral purity. It means presenting yourselves to God as a slave of righteousness. It means, ladies, you've got to maintain, even in the midst of all of this, maintain your holiness before the Lord. I know you think i got to go to the bathroom and lock the door, and even then they're beating on the door to try to have some time with the Lord. Men, you need, you need to, when you come home, you need to say, Honey, you go get with God. I'm going to take care of the kids. I'm going to give you a break. Because it's important they continue in holiness with self-control. 
Ladies, don't fall into the temptation of looking at the wrong kind of television shows, reading the wrong kind of books to try to escape into a fantasy world because mothering is so difficult. Do not make that mistake. Escape into the Scriptures and spend time with your Lord. Exercise that self-control. I know there are days you want to scream. I know there are days you do scream. But just stop and say, Lord, give me grace. Give me grace. I knew I blew it, but Lord, I'm looking to you to give me all the grace that I need. Now, if you're carrying forth these duties of motherhood in faith, in love, and in holiness, with self-control, God promises He will bring you into the deepest levels of spiritual maturity. What does this say to us today? First, it says that there's no calling higher than the calling to be a godly mother to one who has children. Now, I realize that it's not God's plan for every woman to have children. And, and it's okay. That's his, not His plan for everyone. His plan and place for you to grow in spiritual maturity is being a godly wife. Now, not all women even is, have God's plan to be married. And singleness is a gift of God. And your place to grow is there in service to the Lord. But for those that God has blessed with children... Your arena, your place of your full potential is in motherhood. Now, I want to take a moment to address a lie that Satan has placed upon even Christian women in our nation. And the lie is, you have to be more than a mother to reach your full potential. You have to be more than a mother or you're shortchanging yourself. It's the idea that you've got to be a mother and have a career if you're going to be fulfilled as a person. Now, you can have that opinion, but it's a sub-biblical opinion. God says that motherhood is the height. You would have to step down to become president of the United States. There is no greater calling for a woman that has children than to be a godly mother. It is no, there's nothing more deserving of all of your aspirations and all of your goals. But this lie of Satan is that, no, that's not enough. You've got to have a career too. And if you think I'm not accurate, how many schools do you know, public and private, Christian and non-Christian, that on career day have a full-time mother come in and share about her career? How many schools do you know that are encouraging their young women to the career of motherhood as a great and holy calling? No. How many churches are proclaiming the truth that there's no greater career than being a godly wife and mother? for those that God has blessed with children. How many churches are saying, look, it's a lie of our society. It's a lie of Satan that says you're not complete because you are a stay-at-home mother, that you've got to be more. God says no. 
the arena I've chosen to develop you into the image of my son, and that's the most important thing in life, to be like Jesus and bring glory to God, is the arena of being a Christian mother and all that's involved in that. There's a video I want to show you that kind of sums up what I've been trying to say this morning. Here's to the mothers. Here's to the boo-boo kissers. Here's to the get up and warm the milk at 2 a.m. women. You are braver than you know. You make the music that makes the life, that gives the rhythm to the day in and out and in again. Courageous. You deliver babies by C-section or adoption certificate or by push and pant and wailing battle cry of birth. You give more than you think you have. And when you're empty, when you're bone dry, you wring out one more drop, one more bottle, one more soothing the temper tantrum. Hero, you make a budget stretch. You clip coupons, you fight ketchup stains. You face the awkward parent-teacher moments. You listen, you translate for your child. You do the hard work of teaching at every turn. You find a hundred new ways to answer a hundred new versions of the question, why? Champion, you show up, you take photos, you cheer. You shuttle boys and bags of gear between sports fields and serve up ice cream afterwards. You disagree with him. You make her change her skirt but you love fiercely from beneath those unruly bangs. You learn to laugh at your reflection. You revel in your smiley wrinkles. Real, you lose your temper. You yell and apologize and stamp your foot and prove that you are human. You cry. You venture out into an ocean of vulnerability with only a small dinghy and two short oars to keep you afloat when you become a parent. Anchor, you yield your figure, your abs, your size four jeans, but your will turns to muscle unheard of. It grows strong with determination. No one will wound these children without going through you first. You are a last harbor, a lighthouse in the storm of internet and Facebook, failed grades and peer pressure. But in the everydayness of these moments, you start to feel it. The weight of glory, the glorious ordinary. And on your quietest, least interesting days, you get better at hearing the music of motherhood. Slowly a harmony rises from the collection of tasks every mother cycles through in a day. The sacred marriage of the mundane and the eternal small directly related to the massive kids walking around like so much eternity with skin on there is no part of your everyday wash and rinse and repeat routine that isn't significant you make the music that makes the life that gives the rhythm to the day in and out and in again You are braver than you know because you mother.
We do welcome you, and I'm glad that you have taken the opportunity to listen to a sermon on our internet. And I want you just to know that uh, everybody in the church is not like me. Uh, I have these fellows up here, our leadership team. Uh, this is Filiberto Medina, who is our Hispanic pastor. And our Hispanic congregation meets every Sunday evening at 6.30. This is Paul Kumar. He is our Minister of Community Connections. Uh, and to my left is Mark Baker, who heads up our Reformers Unanimous Ministry, which is a Christian addiction recovery program that meets every Friday night at 7 o'clock. So if you live in the Mableton area, uh, and it doesn't matter what race you're from, it doesn't matter your cultural background, I want you to know you are welcome at Westside Church. This is where everybody is somebody and Jesus is Lord. Hope you'll join us soon. Thank you for being with us for this message. Each week, Dr. Stewart gives practical applications and ways to live out the Word of God. If you would like more information, please take a moment to view our website at wbcfamily.org. That's wbcfamily.org. Dot org.